Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris back for another week. Your uh, request this week is we do uh, one of the more recent albums uh, that has come out, uh, you know, in 20, I guess just, you know, that since we've been doing the podcast, and that's uh, from 2023, No Spoon's debut album, Opus. But before we get there, how are you, my friend? All is well on 42 Lakeview Drive. <laughs> Better for you than for others, it would seem. Um, we will get there and, and, and then some. I want to ask if there's anything that you uh, heard this week that kind of caught your earworm, but at the same time, uh, I'd be remiss not to go back to our uh, special interview that we uh, were able to release this week. Speaking to half of Nevermore, um, this has gone over very, very well, and I'm happy to hear that people like uh, like like what they heard. How cool was it to have Jeff and Van from Nevermore with us last week? Uh, it was amazing, and... and uh despite what some might think the interview was actually recorded um in 2023 uh yes, <laughs> we, yes. we had a youtube <laughs> youtube comment that just said uh, old interview but cool and it's like no it's not that old um if by old you mean three days ago then yeah. you are absolutely i mean granted correct. the what we discussed was you know stuff that was mostly from about 20 years ago but uh you know at the end of the interview they talk about what they're going to be releasing you know presumably next year so uh i would imagine unless they had some sort of insane 24-year clairvoyance uh that was probably uh, a recent interview but yeah it was a little bit surreal sitting there and talking to uh to jeff loomis um in particular because i think that he's just become such a uh, a big name in, in the metal community through his work with uh, arch enemy but i think you know a lot of people already had a ton of respect for him even prior to that um probably how he ended up landing that gig in the first place and uh he, he couldn't have been more uh, a nicer guy and, and just uh very gracious with his time and, and it was uh it was just a real treat so uh, what what a lot of people might not realize is that um there was a little bit of uh a little bit of um technical difficulty uh with the interview um that uh it, it took a lot of effort to get it in the in the uh the the shape that it came out in so uh but uh hopefully nobody noticed that because um that that would say a lot of my editing skills if that were the case you um could have gone into surgery with what you had to do to salvage that thing so good for you i i'm glad people got to hear it and uh i'll tell you a little tidbit i'm not sure that you were aware of were you aware that jeff loomis when he was 16 tried out for megadeth no no i had no idea yeah he was apparently they uh I think Mustaine said to him, you're really, really good, but you're just a little too young, and they went their separate ways. Uh, but ironically enough, Chris Broderick, who would be in Nevermore, wound up in Megadeth, so I guess everything uh, does come full circle. But yeah, imagine being 16 years old and being like, yeah, you know, rust in peace, no problem, I can play the whole album. Well, it's, I mean, hey, cool. listen, uh, Megadeth seems to have a revolving door of guitar players these days, so maybe it's not too late. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, it seems like there's always always room for another uh, technically proficient guitar player opposite Dave. So anyway, thought that was an interesting anecdote. Uh, speaking of interesting anecdotes, Guns N' Roses came out with a new single this week. Did you hear about this? I heard it came out. Um, I read one person's thoughts. They were not positive, And um, that was about the extent of it. Well, I, I am unfortunately positive that my review is not positive. They came out with a song called The General. A lot of studio 
work on this one insofar as it kind of sounds almost robotic and very, very manufactured. Uh, if, if you're looking for, uh, you know, something off of Use Your Illusion 1, this definitely would not fit the bill. I think that as a fan of the band, I'm still amongst the, the masses hoping that they can get back to something from Appetite or Use Your Illusion. And it's just not not meant to be, I don't think. So we will go to the shows, enjoy the old material, but I just have such low expectations for their new stuff. Um, th- this song was definitely unique, but not something I look forward to going back to. Yeah, I'd like to hear it just to see. Uh, I, I I thought Chinese Democracy had its moments. It, I don't think it was as as crummy as a lot of people kind of made it out to be, and and it might have just been because the the hype and the anticipation for that album, which I, I would I would argue was a lot of it was was Axl Rose's own fault for dragging it out as long as he did. But I think that that the, the the expectations were probably too high to even come close to being met. Uh, you know, that said, um, you know, I, I didn't think it was a great album, but it definitely had its moments. I remember listening to it and thinking like, I can't believe people like thought this outright blue. Um, Cause I didn't really think it was like an abomination. I just thought it was kind of mediocre uh, with a couple of, you know, high points here and there. So, um, but I don't know, maybe for me, like my expectations were kind of low considering how long it took for the damn thing to come out. So maybe, maybe I, I had the right mindset going in, uh, whereas other people were expecting like, you know, use your illusion three, which I think was kind of foolish. Well said, well said. Uh, the, the other thing that I've been listening to a bunch this week is a band that actually just got announced for a U.S. tour. Um, I, normally we save the news to the end, but I'll shoehorn this piece in here now, Black, uh, sorry, Battle Beast is going out for their fo- first ever headlining tour of uh, North America this May, um, starting in Worcester, Mass, ending in New York City at, on, Ju- on June the 2nd at Irving Plaza. Not my favorite venue, but still uh, cool to see them doing a headlining tour. I bring it up because the opening band is a band called Blackbriar out of the Netherlands, and I am massively becoming a fan of their most recent album. I was pretty much done with my top 50 list. I was just in the process of kind of putting it into some semblance of a more uh, cohesive order. And then I heard this album and I feel like I have to kick something off of it because I'd be remiss not to add this to my top 50 list. This album was really, really good. And I kind of want to go see the show you know, now, you know, I've kind of converted a bit on, on, on Battle Beast, but I, I definitely want to see Black Briar alive. I, I think that they have a world of potential. Uh, I just want to say I consider this a very successful year that I've managed to get you to kind of turn around on both Power Wolf and Battle Beast. So uh, hooray for me on that one. But um, I ha- I listened to one track from this album, Cicada, which was um, based on... Um, Glenn Harveston's uh, top 50 list for the year um, and, and just his recommendation and, and his comparison to uh, mother earth era within temptation where, where if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know, we both hold in, in very high regard and, and I really liked the song. So this is going to be a late, uh, a late entry into my listening um, pile. Uh, we still have a, a Probably about a month before um, we'll probably release our year-end um, 
you know, uh, best of, you know, top 50 lists or whatever. So, uh, and based on, you know, Glenn's, um, positive comments and now yours and, and how much I enjoyed just the one song, I, I, I agree with you. I think this one needs to be, uh, in contention. And, and at this point, really, the only, there's only two albums coming out that are le- this, the rest of this year that I'm interested to listen to. Um, one of them is the new Therion album. The other one is actually, really fascinating to me because it's a a multi-disc covers album that um lord of the lost is uh is is releasing and there was a single that just came out which was a um a cover of uh cutting crews uh i just died in your arms tonight and they do a really cool job but it's a really fun uh list of of cover songs and different types of genres and and so that's going to be cool i think that there's like a I think there's a three disc version of it's at least two discs. Um, I might be confusing it with something else, but um, I'm kind of excited to hear that. I don't know if a, of a covers album is going to make my year on list, especially because I think it comes out literally the last week of December, but um, I think it's definitely worth checking out based on the couple of songs that have come out as singles thus far. I have to be honest with you. I am so looking forward to seeing this band live. I um, I was not a huge fan of their last album, although the covers album certainly intrigues me. But if you go back into some of their uh, back catalog, there's quite a bit of great material there. And I have a feeling that even the last album, which I was in the minority, but I just didn't care for it so much. I have a feeling that live, this stuff is really going to resonate for me. Cannot wait to see them. Um, I have a feeling that they're going to go over extremely well on 70,000 tons. And they're kind of getting this cult-like following in many ways. I have, I just think that the, 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 the future is exceptionally bright for this band. I, th- I almost see them in the same mold of like a sleep token, who, by the way, just sold out Radio City Music Hall in about 10 minutes. And for those that don't know, it's a 6,000-person venue in New York City. Three years ago, I don't think that Sleep Token could have filled up my living room. And now they're selling out Radio City Music Hall. And the tickets were not inexpensive. (laughs) No, they were not. And, And I know that this band is not really your jam, and that's fine. But apparently a lot of other people like them because they are... They are exploding, and, and at this rate, I mean, their next show is going to be an arena show because there's really no other venues that are bigger than this. That's not, you know, a twelve or a fifteen or an eighteen thousand seat arena. That's just insane to me. Well, I um, I felt like I was a little bit vindicated because I I I just made a post recently and just said like I you know good for them. I don't I just don't get I don't get it. Like I don't think that they're bad. Um, I just don't think that they should, you know, I, I don't understand why they're blowing up um, and so many other bands haven't. Um, but that I, I was curious. Well, the you know, there was a number of people that agreed with me. I, I feel like it's, they're a pretty polarizing band because it seems like Definitely. people either love them or, I, and listen, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I think they're terrible because I don't, I, I listened to their new album and I thought it was good. Like it's a good album to me. Um, but like, you know, to me, like this, you know, this No Spoon album is something I would much rather listen to. Um, I think it just has more things, just more interesting sounds to me or, or whatever. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's it just, it's kind of a, it's just kind of boring to me. Like, it's good, but 
whatever. Like, I don't feel like I really need to defend my opinion on it, but um, I don't know. It's just interesting how certain things blow up, but there's plenty of super popular stuff that I am not into. So, I mean, it's not terribly surprising, I guess, but uh, on that, uh, you know, in that vein, I guess, uh, while we're talking about uh, stuff that I've listened to recently, um, you know, I, I was planning on mentioning the, Lord of the Lost, so I managed to do that. Um, but uh, two other tracks I heard that were interesting. Uh, Glory Hammer released a cover of Mighty Wings, which is a cheap trick song that was on the original Top Gun soundtrack. And I thought they did a really nice job. Didn't really reinvent the song in any particular way, but it sounded really good. And like uh, personally, I, it was my favorite thing I heard Glory Hammer record this year or since uh, since Thomas left the, the band. I, I just find that their new vocalist, um, I believe it's Sozos Michael. Um, he's a he's a great singer, but it's just such a, a departure from kind of that more like raspy, kind of uh, rough sounding vocal that Thomas Winkler had. That it's just it, it, it's weird for me. It hasn't it hasn't clicked for me yet. Um, but this cover of Mighty Wings, it, it's it's lovely. It's just a lovely cover. Um, and the other track I want to mention. Uh, just dropped uh, yesterday, I think, and it's another single from the upcoming Sonata Artica album, Clear Cold Beyond, which is coming out next year, and the track is called The Monster Only You Can't See. Um, I don't know if it's as uh, catchy and accessible as the first single that came out, but uh, I, I think it's definitely um, still, you know, uh, uh, it's something that people should be excited about who didn't love the last album and thought it was a little too, a little too mellow or a little, not enough power metal or however you want to, you put it. I know that speaking of, you know, polarizing bands, not Arctic has certainly become one of them in, uh, in recent years, but um, I, I've enjoyed the, the two singles that I've heard so far. So definitely check uh, this one out as well. So yeah, those are the, uh, the couple of the things that I had wanted to, to mention. Nice. I, I haven't heard the new one, but needless to say, the first one had the first Sonata single had me very intrigued by this new album. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I'll, I'll make a point to check that out this week. And uh, with that, I guess we'll we'll talk some uh, modern progressive metal. This album came out of nowhere. Um, for those that don't know, this band literally came out with their first album this year. They're from Charlotte, North Carolina. You may be their neighbors soon enough. Woo! But yeah, <laughs> nature boy. But um this this band literally was on nobody's radar and then I get a text from, you know, Knops and he's like, "Have you heard this? You know, I think you'd like it." And I said, "All right, I'll give it a listen." I knew nothing of the band and I really liked the album after the first listen and the second time i heard this album and i'm going back to you know late may early june i was hooked i could not believe how much i enjoyed this album uh and and since that point it's kind of been like a high watermark this year i'm, I'm every album i listen to i i keep saying you know do i like it more than the more than opus more than opus and you know uh, i'm still kind of answering that question for myself in many ways but uh, I'm glad you picked it. I think it's certainly timely insofar as a lot of people are raving about this disc. I think there's others. I saw some reviews where people are just like, it's good, but I don't quite get it. 
um, maybe a little too much wankery or maybe just a little bit too long in the tooth. It is not a short album by any means. Uh, and I can certainly appreciate that sentiment, but I'm glad you chose it because uh, I certainly enjoyed listening to it. And uh, I'm, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts as we go through this thing, because uh, I, I know that you had listened to it before this week, but if I'm not mistaken, I don't think you had listened to it many times. Is that no, fair? No, I only listened to it once. Um, okay. It was kind of during, it was during that very, I don't know about you, for me, the most albums that I downloaded to listen to during the year was during the second quarter. And that's when this album came out. And so I found myself listening to most of those albums only once or twice, just because I had so many to get through. In fact, I'm actually making my way back through them again. And there's albums that I legitimately don't even remember hearing. This one was kind of like that for me. Um, So I, I would, I'll call this week my kind of no, no spoon debut uh, listening. I, I listened to this album six times this week, and I just the first like four or five times were almost just like me um, familiarizing myself with the sound of this band, and then like the last two I think was really me just ingesting the the content of the lyrics and the story, and really just. Um, understand like really just getting the album both musically and conceptually and um i'm glad that i took the time to do so because if i had based my thoughts on this album based on just listening to it a couple of times it probably wouldn't even make my top 50 of the year list but as of now i would say it probably will be on that list um because i really gave it the time i mean like you said this is a 70 minute album it's a it's it's very proggy there's a lot of um a lot of 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 complex musicianship um it's i like to me it was like um it it reminded me of like mercy falls meets scenes from a memory performed by haken Uh (laughs) i think that is so good um i definitely hear all three of those things and they resonate a lot throughout this whole thing. I think that is spot on. I love that. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm really curious to hear. Um, I'm glad that you liked it more and more as your week went on. I'm, I almost want to jump to the end and hear what your score is, but I, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll somehow wait till the end. I'll, I'll say this. Um, came out May 19th of this year. It was uh, recorded, mixed, and mastered by bass player Cole Millward. Um, which is interesting because the bass is prominent on this album, but I don't think it definitely overpowers the rest of the instruments. But it's Phil Rich on vocals, James Nelson on guitars, Paul Wood and Rain Rumpel on drums, and keys with uh, by David Frick, James Nelson, and Cole Millwood. So, um, you know, I guess a lot of people kind of adding to the uh, to the keyboards on this thing. And yeah, it's it's a concept album. It's very very dense. I actually have some questions as to like kind of the punchline or the upshot of this thing. And I think a lot of people have speculated and I'm not sure anyone really knows. I'm hoping we can get answers to that at some point in the near future, but only time will tell on that point. But yeah, the album comes out earlier this year. It is very, very dense. And I guess with that, since there is no backstory because we don't know anything about this band and the members, we might as well just get into the album. What do you say? Yeah, uh, we uh, we should have uh, 
a conversation though uh with at least one maybe two members of the band to uh to give to you guys um shortly probably a few days after this episode drops that's the hope um we don't know which members of the band it's going to be because we contacted the band's facebook page and didn't get any confirmation as to who would be speaking with us but uh there is a interview uh conversation scheduled and so i think uh some of our questions should should be answered unless they really wanted us to uh leave it up to our imaginations as to uh you know what happened to poor simpson uh but uh (laughs) Yeah, um, this this is this is good. I'm I, I I'm super glad that I chose this. Um, I it to me it was the album I think I heard, that got the most hype from people um, that I that I hadn't heard, um, and so I felt like I really needed to, uh, to to see what the hype was about. I had considered choosing the new Sleep Token album because that was another one that a lot of people, uh, particularly our 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 other friend Justin uh, from Texas uh, feels really strongly about, and he was kind of telling me I should give that band more of a a chance. So um, I don't know, maybe next year there's only uh, so much we can squeeze into one year, but um, this was one I really wanted to um, really wanted to cover, especially with them uh, now playing at Prague power next year, opening up day two, um, and it will be interesting. We'll definitely have to ask them uh, if they can, if they're planning on playing this whole album, which they might not have enough time in their set to pull off. Or I'm if, hoping they start 15 minutes early and just finish the damn thing. That but would that's be just my I two cents. I personally don't think promoter uh, Milton would have a big problem with that, knowing how much he likes this album. Um, but uh, but who knows? Maybe they'll have some new material. Um, by then i mean it is still a good nine months away um so who knows i mean they might have some uh some new stuff to to share with us I, but i guess we can always ask and uh and they could maybe they'll tell us maybe they won't but we'll see but uh it's i'm curious and and i will say listening to this album has made me quite uh quite excited and curious to see how they do in a live setting best of my knowledge they haven't played a live show so I don't know that next year in Atlanta will be their first, but it won't be one of many unless there's a tour plan that I'm not aware of. Um, but the reality is I think that this is material that really needs to see the light of day and needs to reach a bigger audience because for a self-produced thing, the production on this album is fantastic. And that kind of thing, it hits you right away um, with those first two tracks, the, the first of which is called The House at the End really really great intro and i think it kind of sets the stage for the whole story which is that there's this house um you know that a lot of people are living in there's different rooms and whatnot and uh you know something's gonna happen here and time will tell what it is but i love how it starts with the vocals over that acoustic guitar and the really subtle orchestration kind of gives it this extra layer Uh, But I thought it sounded sonically really, really good. And then it kind of builds to this crescendo and then quietly fades out going into Implosion Overture, which is really a instrumental track very much in the vein of like Overture 1928 for me. Like to me, this is kind of what what this song does is what Scenes from a Memory did early on in that album. And you just hear – 
and I'm kind of lumping them two together because it really is an intro track kind of going into this this uh, instrumental track. But on 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 Overture, it's this phenomenal guitar solo which is just ripe of it just sounds like john petrucci and then all of a sudden the keys and the drum fills come in and the dream theater sound resonates completely um all the way down to like the circus like passages where you'll hear um the guitar player kind of noodle almost in like a jordan rudis type of fashion it's really really interesting i can understand if it pulls some people out of the moment a little bit but it really didn't bother me but the song just kind of picks up speed gradually and it's almost like a locomotive coming at the listener until it slows down for dramatic effect uh but really it just gives the the listener a, a real sense of what they're kind of in for with this album which is giving every instrument a chance to shine and again everyone every instrument comes through so clearly i i, I found the production to be fantastic um for a, what has to be a relatively low budget thing yeah my understanding it was an in-house situation which is all the more impressive because I agree this album sounds incredible. Like it is, it is really, really. Uh, it sounds like a, a a band that's been around for years, produced by I don't know, like a professional, like a super professional guy who's been doing it for forever. Like this is this is a really impressive debut album. It's shocking that this is their first album in a lot of ways. Um, the the first track reminds me a bit. Uh, the vocals remind me a little bit of Tommy from Seventh Wonder. There's not mm. a ton of, to me, there's not a ton to be compared um, to Seventh Wonder personally outside of the story and a little bit maybe of that kind of like the lower, those like kind of um, quieter vocals remind me a bit of Tommy in that first track. But after that, it, it definitely um, turns into more of a, more things more things that remind me of, of scenes from a memory and i think comparing implosion overture to overture uh 1928 was is a really apt uh connect you know connection there and i I'd, I'd be willing to bet that that wasn't uh wasn't an accident no there's actually other nods and i'll point them out later but i hear other real nods to dream theater and certain songs in particular, which I, I find interesting. Um, but do you have any other thoughts about like, as you're listening to it for the first time and you listen to implosion overture, do you have any idea where the hell they're going with this thing? Or is it kind of just setting the stage for you? Uh, well, musically or thematically musically, I don't think the theme, you, I don't think you hear much from the theme. Yeah. Cause there's no terrible. lyrics in, in the yeah. second track. Um, yeah, I mean, in a way, um, I think it does kind of set you up for like they're just because um, Implosion Overture is almost kind of like a um, like a greatest hits suite of of what this this album is going to have on it, which is you know a lot of uh, progressive technical stuff, but you know done in a an what I consider a um, a really accessible way. And you know how I am with prog; it doesn't always resonate with me but i think that the way that they do it it's interesting because i actually read some reviews where people were kind of down on the the technical part of it that the it, almost that the band was doing too much and i was like have you ever listened to a prog album before like this is what this is what a haken album does this is what a, you know a, this is a dream theater album does like this is not I didn't think that, it, and I'm not a prog guy. I mean, I like, I love prog, but I'm more of a power guy. But um, I didn't think anything was overdone. I thought it was, it was, you know, you had your. That's what this kind of stuff is like. You, um, 
yes, some tracks don't need to be 12 or 13 minutes long, but then like, what's the fun in that? I want to listen to a prog album. I wanted to have some 13 minute tracks. Hell, we just did a, a talked about a 20 plus minute dream theater song that everybody loves. So, I mean, I, I don't know that that part was a little bit puzzling to me because it's, I feel like anybody who listened to this album was probably primed by whoever told them to listen to it as to what to expect from it. Yeah. So I, I got exactly what I was expecting. And to answer your question that I kind of yammered on about, um, yeah, I feel like that w- did a really nice job of kind of setting the stage for what, um, what this band is about and, and what they were going to, uh, to do over the course of the next, you know, hour plus. I saw that negative review as well, or at least one or two that were talking about that. But as technically proficient as these guys are, the emphasis the whole way was on the melodies, at least in my opinion. And I think that's what part of the allure of this album was that like, there's a lot of pieces to this album at different times that have been stuck in my head for days and days. And I find myself singing along to it and really kind of, immersing myself into what you know what this album is so to say that yeah there's some instrumental passages that are definitely um showy in a way but like i never got the sense that it was too much and to the contrary the songs like we get into the depth of simpson which is track three and yeah it's technically proficient but the melody drives this thing the whole way and it like i don't know i just don't i don't agree with that assessment but here on, on Death of Simpson, I hear a ton of Haken. To me, especially the guitars and the keyboards, this thing is like, could have been, on, it's just basically the, the, the most recent Haken album, but just tighter and better in many ways. And that was the issue with the Haken album. If you told me that you thought the newest Haken album was a little bit too all over the place and showy and lacked a little bit of melody, I'd say, I got it. I, I can appreciate that, but not this album. This album... You, it never strayed from um, what makes it in your, and I think your word is perfect, accessible. Well, that would probably explain why I didn't really love Haken's new album, and, and I, I think that this album is. I'm sure many people might not agree, but I think this album is significantly better than Haken's new album. Which, hey, that's a compliment if anyone's ever heard one. Hey, your debut album is uh, better than Haken's, you know, fifth or sixth album, however, whatever the hell they're up to at this point. Um, the death of Simpson to me, you know, if we're going to parallel, uh, scenes from a memory, the way that, um, you know, the previous track was their overture 1928, this is kind of like their strange deja vu, not so much that it reminds me of it musically, but almost like it from a story standpoint, it really sets the stage for the, the story. Like this is the beginning of the story. Strange Deja Vu is kind of the beginning of the story for Scenes from a Memory. This is kind of similar. This was one of my favorite tracks from the album. The um once the song really gets going, oh my God, the really just catchy, um catchy chorus. I had this was one that I had stuck in my head. Um I'll I'll forego making earworm jokes at this point, but uh this is this was one of probably one of my three favorite songs on the album. Not my song of the week, but um, really good, and and I, I just think that it really uh, set the stage for me. At least I, I was I was like, all right, this is going to be interesting. And and even early on when I I wasn't like sold on this album just yet, I definitely enjoyed listening to it. Um, 
you know, I, I just was wondering, like, is this going to be another sleep token for me or is this going to be something more that I get more out of? And it really took me a bunch of listens to figure out what the answer to that question was. But uh, this is a really good one. Uh, what, what did you think of the death of Simpson? I heard a lot of Pink Floyd in the guitar work. Very atmospheric, very, very interesting. And it was kind of a blend of like Pink Floyd and Voices by Dream Theater, which is not a bad combination at all. Um, I thought that the chorus, like you said, very, very groovy. You headbang along to the beat and you just want to sing along. And I'm really hoping they play it live. But if they do, I hope they do it with the dual vocals that they do in certain spots. Because to me, that was a real draw for me. I thought it was really, really cool. Um, I like this track a lot. And even the bass really drives this thing along in certain spots. And a fantastic bridge. Just super, super catchy. Great tune. Uh, not my favorite, maybe not even in my top three, but it's one of the better songs on the album. But then again, I don't think there's a bad song on the album. I think it's just different shades of very good or great or superb. I I think that's really well said. I didn't think there were any bad songs on the album either. Do you? Did you find the vocals to remind you of anybody in particular? Like hundred percent. So yeah, I, was, I have I have two answers to that, and yeah, I can go tell you. So when he's doing the clean stuff, I hear Michael Erickson. Not so much in the in 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 the diction and 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 the range necessarily, but just in the presentation. Because I always felt like Michael Erickson from Circus Maximus always had that very clean delivery. But then when he gets when he gets heavy and he kind of like screams a little bit. I hear like that angry Russell Allen. So it's almost a blend of Michael Erickson on the clean side and, and angry Russ, as they say, on the darker side, which I don't mind as much as angry Russ because I'm not a huge fan of that style of, of Russell Allen's vocals, but I think it's a nice blend of the two singers. Okay, so this is funny because for me, the the cleaner version reminds me of Ross Jennings from Haken. Okay. And the heavier stuff reminds me of Einar Solberg from Leprous. Interesting. So <laughs> yeah. we're all over the map. It's just a, it's a who's who of prog greats here. But uh, yeah, to, to each their own. I, 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 I'm really curious to see, especially with the smoother vocals, whether he can do it live because it's not easy. And it's and his diction is great. And he obviously um, can sing. I'm just curious to see if he can pull it off live. I think it's not going to be easy. So... Time will tell. Yeah, I, I'm like I said though, I, I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's going to be one of those things. That I, I, I'm wondering if it's going to turn into like how we remember. I mean, I wasn't there, but how other fans remember like Circus Maximus's first show at oh, Prague Power, that where like it was yesterday. But it was like people didn't really know who they were, and Glenn, Glenn basically pulled a Jake the Snake Roberts and was like, "Trust me." Uh, and, and, and now look at, now look at it like all these years later, I think, um, next year is going to be their four, I believe their fourth, if not fifth prog power appearance. I think it's um, their fifth. I think that they did a pre-party one year. I mean, they've been there a ton of times. Yeah, so I, I, so yeah. it'll be curious to see, uh, if this is like the start of something, uh, something bigger. Um, but, uh. I, I think that's kind of how Milton felt when he heard them is like, this could be like the next big prog, you know, prog power band. Um, 
Typically, they're not from the U.S. Though it's always like these European bands that that come over here and they make a big impression. It's pretty cool that we have a uh, a band from uh, North Carolina. That um, this is going to be interesting. I, I, I'm really pumped to see how uh, this is received. And and I, I, by then, I imagine a lot of people will have uh, made themselves familiar with this album because it's going to be if if it's not on people's radars now in a month. When all the year end play, all the year end lists start to come out, and people see that this band is on everybody's list, I'm sure that they're going to be curious as to what this is all about. So by the time September rolls around, I think this band's going to have a lot of uh, a lot of hype to live up to. Um, you know, based on based on how everybody felt in 2023 about this Opus album. Very very well said. Uh, it, it, it will spoiler. It will definitely be on my list. Uh, I've played this album, I think, more than any other album in 2023. So that should tell you something. I just love this thing. Um, the next track is it's called "Dance with Me," and this was the song that grabbed me immediately when I heard this album. Um, I love the keyboard intro, and I love how the drums come in behind it. And this whole song is just so catchy to me. Um, Amongst the best choruses on the album, it's basically just mid-paced prog metal at its absolute finest. And and as I mentioned, I think this is a perfect example of that really clean sound in the vocals that I totally enjoy. And then they go through these like elaborate instrumental passages, um, which just have a really nice dream theater vibe, but not to the extent that it's like ripoff. It just has the same style as dream theater, which I I don't think is a bad thing. Um, and, and there's even this section with like this scat like drum beat, I do, which I thought kind of made things a little bit interesting as well. I'll just go so far as to say this is my song of the week. It's probably my song of the year. Uh, it's either this or that sorcerer tune that we listened to. Both of those songs were just um, fantastic. But I, I love this track. I, I want to hear your thoughts, but I'd be remiss not to give this one another listen. So here's Dance With Me by Nosebin. down for long She's got that panic mood that's mildly wild It keeps her moving now that daddy's gone It's only been a month since I think I've gushed over that song enough. So I, I want to turn the floor over to you. What are your thoughts on dance with me? Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. It's uh, I don't know if I like it quite as much as uh, the death of Homer Simpson, but um, <laughs> it, it, it's another really good tune. And it, it's interesting in the, the story, the part about the um, kind of the young, the young hand pulling at him to get him to dance and stuff. It, I, I'm curious where that kind of, ties into the rest of the the story because i feel like that 
I don't know. I did that threw me for a loop as well. I wasn't a hundred percent sure as to how this song plays into the rest. It's right. just so freaking catchy that it didn't matter to me. Right. Well, that's fair. Um, yeah, uh, I, 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 I like this one a lot too. I, I feel like that it was a very, uh, very strong start to this album uh, up to this point. Um, I feel like with tougher love it kind of brings things down a little bit which you know is is fine it's i think it's part of the the story being told here um but it just it's a little bit more uh atmospheric and, and mellow and and kind of uh you know brings the the brings all of the um the, like the really like upbeat heaviness kind of to a little bit of a, a pause yeah it's it's kind of a I don't want to call it a filler track. It's kind of a transitional track, I guess. It's a little bit darker. Definitely heavy keyboards on this one. Uh, the lyrics don't really kick in until about midway through, and then they kind of help advance the story along. Arguably my least favorite track on the album. Arguably. Um, not that it's bad. It just kind of serves as a precursor in many ways to the next track, Earworm which was the single um, for the album, which I thought was an interesting choice. I, I'm surprised they didn't use Dance With Me, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, when I heard that the band was putting out a video and a single, my first question was, oh, is it Dance With Me? And then I was told it was Earworm, and I got sent a copy of the video, and I was surprised. I wasn't quite expecting it, but I see it. I, I do. This one is really heavy, rather catchy, and, and I think aptly named. And I love the interplay between the guitars and the keyboards on this one. I think it's fantastic. Um, the vocals during the verses almost have like this robotic quality to it. And obviously there's some sampling there. And there, this is where I heard the angry Russell Allen, right? Like this was the track where I'm like, oh, it's it's basically a copy of Symphony X. Um, but I got to be honest with you. There's also a touch of David Lee Roth in there as well, which I found fascinating because I think that that's a really unique blend. But just listen to it if you think I'm crazy. Um I like the instrumental passage. I think it's very, very um, clean sounding on this track. And another great bridge, which seems to be a staple of this band with this big finish for, for, for the single. A, a good choice for, this. The, I guess, what they want to kind of show people as like the showcase of this band. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like especially on this song, it's like it's like the keys remind me of Haken, but the guitars remind me of Dream Theater. Like it, it's it's apparently David Lee Roth's in there somewhere. Like it, it, it's it about? yeah, my my word. Um, yeah, this is this is like not one of my favorite songs. Um, but I think that it, it like if you were gonna play somebody one song from this album, this might be the right one to play them to really give them a taste of of what this band's all about and. Uh, clearly the band felt similarly uh, which is why they released this one as a single it's also of reasonable length whereas there are songs that are you know between 7 and 16 minutes long uh on on this on this album so um but this this is a good one too there's just a lot of cool stuff going on i think from an instrumental point of view and um yeah I, I had read some reviews that that said that the vocals were the weak link of the album i think the vocals are excellent i i, I disagree. disagree more yeah and, and you know everybody has their uh their own opinion about stuff but i, I think the vocals are, are really good i think everybody's really good you know it's like everybody's bringing it and, and that's that's good stuff um this was uh this is a really good song to. and yeah. You know, because 
on a, on an album like this, or when you have guys that are as proficient as these guys seem to be, I think that if there was a weak link, it would really stand out for the negative. But I think that they all keep up with each other, and I think the vocals are great. I I I I saw that review as well, and it just made no sense to me whatsoever. I I do not listen to each their own. I'm sure that there's things that I love that other people you know can't stand. But to me, like I think the vocals are great. I can't wait to hear it live. Yeah, yeah, same here. I cannot uh, cannot agree with you more, honestly. And uh, with that, we get to track number seven called "And Then There Was One." This is um, kind of the back half of this album. And this song starts out like this jazzy ballad with almost like a lounge-like quality to it. Really beautiful chorus with very inspiring lyrics. And then about three minutes in, the song really begins to kind of pick up pace. Love the bass lines. Love the soaring vocals. And the keyboards, I think, really pop on this one as well. And then for the chorus, it kind of goes back into that ballad-like stake. It's just really, really well-constructed, I think, for a song. Definitely one of my favorites. Um, the the back half of it is a little slow in spots, um, but quite frankly, once that solo kicks in, you're back in business, so it only slows down for a, a trifle. I'm wondering if you like this one as much as I did or if um, there's other stuff in the back end that you like even more. There, there is other stuff on the back end I like even more, but I like this too because I feel like it, you know, it's the softer side of No Spoon. You know, it's like uh, it's something a little bit more mellow. Um, I really like. I think the chorus is really has a really catchy melody to it, and it's delivered really well by by the vocalist. Um, I, I like this song. It's 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 very good. Um, I like it. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I wanted to ask you something. Um, I had seen some people compare this band to Devin Townsend, and other people say they did not hear any of that. Did you pick up any Devin Townsend? I don't know Devin Townsend nearly as well as you do, admittedly, but um, I, I don't. I didn't really pick up anything kind of Devin Townsend esque. Um, but uh, curious if you did because I did see his name mentioned as one of the comparables to uh, to this band. Not at all. Okay. Uh, I heard more David Lee Roth. <laughs> so like that, that should tell you something. You but kidding aside, um, again, I think sometimes people hear things. And I'm always curious, you know, and I try to point it out when I do hear something myself. Some people may think I'm crazy. Others may say, oh my God, he's absolutely right. But for me, I, I, I don't hear Devin Townsend, but to each his own. If you hear Devin, you know, that's not a bad thing either. And, and, and I just, I personally don't hear it, but you know. Yeah, and I just mean, mean more right. more musically than than the vocal yeah, wise. I but, don't. Um, I really don't. And and whether it's the vocals, the guitar tone, or just the song construction, I don't hear it. I think Devin is a very unique musician. I think he sound. It's almost in a category by himself. To me, this is really just in that Dream Theater and Haken vein. It's almost like a more polished, not polished, but it's a more uh, a tighter Haken and borrows heavily on 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 that like you know turn of the century dream theater stuff, whether it's six degrees or, or, or scenes, that's what I hear for the most part. Yeah. I, I definitely pick up on some of the earlier Haken stuff. I think when they the were early Haken, I, agree yeah, when, when they yes. were a little bit more concerned with melodies and less on wankery, which is um, why I like the early Haken stuff more than I do the new stuff. Not that I don't enjoy the, I, I enjoyed the new album. It just wasn't, it wasn't as good as this. And it wasn't as good as some of their old stuff, if I'm be- in my opinion. But it, quite frankly, a bad Haken album is still better than a lot of stuff that's out there. Yeah, yeah, well said. Um, 4D printing, uh, 
which we, I'm still we haven't... trying to figure out what that is, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, or is it is it possible? Um, <laughs> it, this one was, I think, the last of the um, instrumental tracks on this album, and it's pretty meaty for a instrumental track. What did you think of this one? Very heavy. Um, starts with an interesting keyboard solo. It's kind of groovy. It's a good tune. And I kind of liken it to Dance of Eternity, but just not as good. You know, that, that, that instrumental s- track towards the end of an album. Um, I, I like this song. I think it's, you know, I think it obviously must play into the story somehow. I just don't understand at all how it does. And we'll get more into the story, you know, probably with the, with the interview piece that's going to be the companion that you mentioned. Um, but it's, it's, it's just a good instrumental track that kind of breaks it up because the last three songs of this album are exceptionally meaty. Um, what I found interesting about 40 printing is it has this very sludgy end to the song, which I thought was like kind of came out of nowhere and kind of just sets the tone for these last, you know, these last three tracks. Were you a fan of this or was it kind of a miss for you? No, I liked it. Uh, if you're a fan of just instrumental prog music, I, you can't go wrong with this track. It's uh it's always moving. There's always unique parts to it. Um, I don't think that it's really repetitive at all, even though it's a, it's a pretty decently long track at uh, about, you know, six and just under, just under seven minutes long, which is, um, it's a meat, it's a meaty instrumental piece. Uh, but uh, I thought it was good. And then I think that um, it sets the table for what I consider to be a really epic end of the album. And and granted, there's only three tracks left after this, but they clock in at about almost a half hour. Um, And and that's kind of the... It's almost jarring because, and I don't say this in a bad way, but if you're thinking if the way the album is paced, and and I'm not going to criticize the track order, I think it makes perfect sense given the story and whatnot, but the way you're kind of moving through and chugging along track by track. And even the seven minute tracks don't feel that long. And then it's like, bam, here's a 15 and a half minute song. And then bam, another 10 minute song. So it kind of just throws you for a little bit of a curveball. but the, I love both of them for, for different reasons. Uh, the first is called within the realm of possibility. And this thing is a really spooky intro and then when the full band kicks in, I totally hear that early Haken sound. I mean, like full on display of, of, of early Haken. And I'd argue maybe the best mix on the entire album. I mean, this is where the, 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 the production just shines through and, and the verses almost feel like it's an epiphany of sorts. And it builds toward this beautiful chorus with these soaring vocals over the top. This has been stuck in my head at times. Um, over the last six months and, and it was no different this week and then all of a sudden they get towards this like third section of the song where the drumming really stands out with these odd time signatures and it's like kind of a you know again another haken or, or like a mike portnoy type of thing that he's got going on there's some jazz thrown in here and you know obviously with any 15 plus minute track you're going to get some some instrumental sections that kind of fill it out but that final chorus is just absolutely stellar to me and i love how it kind of goes out with the guitar outro really really interesting track and it just doesn't feel as long as it is for me but it's definitely jarring compared to some of the stuff that comes before it because it doesn't move as fast as you know dance with me for example uh i think this is vocalist 
Philip Rich's best performance on the entire album. Mm. I, especially, like you said, where how it wraps up at the end where he just hits that last line. Um, just absolutely kills it. Um, the best compliment I can give this song is that it's 15 plus minutes and it never drags. It's never unoriginal. Um, I thought that this was going to be the biggest struggle for me on the album based on the length. And it ended up being one of my favorite tracks on the nice. album. Um, I, I think that the, um, the middle of this album is, is, is really good, but the beginning and the end is so strong to me. Um, you know, with, with, with the, the two, the opening two tracks paired with Death of Simpson and Dance with Me. And then this, these last three tracks, which this back yet forward and then House at the I Beginning, agree. which is basically just the reprise of House at the End. Um, just the bookmarks are, are phenomenal on this album. This was a really, really awesome song. And the more I talk about this album, the higher the score is getting because I'm like hyping myself up about it. Just talking about it and hearing what you have to say about it is, is just, uh, it, I don't think I've ever put as much effort into, uh, an album for this podcast because I wanted to feel the same way everybody else felt. And I still don't think I feel as much about it as everybody else does. I don't think I can, uh, live up to you and Knops and Milton just uh, yeah, and, and Glenn too. He had them at number five on his album list. I don't know if I, if my opinion is going to be that high, but man, I'm so glad that I took the time. Cause this is, uh, this is a really fantastic album and, and, you know, not, not something that I typically would glom onto because normally I would probably listen to it once or twice and, and be like, Oh yeah, that was good. But um, this was just something that was a real grower for me. And I think it's probably going to continue to grow as we march towards, you know, their performance at Prague power next year. Curious to see if they um, have any other shows planned or if that's just uh, what I imagine they they're going to at least have to like do some rehearsal rehearsals of this. I don't think you just, wake up in the morning and just bust this out. I don't know. Maybe you are. I don't I, I, it just seems like it would be pretty hard to do without any rehearsing. So, uh, but yeah, uh, getting back to the task at hand. Yeah. This track within the realm of possibility is pretty awesome. I'll tell you what's interesting to me. We've got two tracks left. You haven't given me your song of the week, so I'm going to go out on a limit and I'm going to say it's back yet forward. Talk to me about why this is your track of the week. And again, I'm going out on a limb here, but I'm I'm pretty confident in my choice. Oh man. Yeah, this was the one that <laughs> that just was stuck in my head um all the time. Um it I think just ties up the story, the, the all the 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 musical themes of the album. It, it's um you know, I think I might be better off passing the baton to Knops on this one because uh he's definitely a, a very verbose man um and uh and I'm going to I had he sent us a blurb and and I'll I'll save the entire blurb for the end because uh, I think he's he just a very uh well spoken uh synopsis uh he puts the the knop in synopsis but um <laughs> He he uh he basically he he also chose this as his song of the week and he said uh everyone's given a chance to show their chops with numerous callbacks to previous songs. Nice bookend of the story. I mean that's pretty much really how I feel in a nutshell. Um I, I, I just uh I found that the um 
I'm always talking about like how I, I like melodies and, and this song is chock full of melody and it really does just kind of wrap up everything that made this, the, this album so great all into one pretty little bow at the end. It's uh it's another meaty track, not quite as meaty as the previous track, but uh, you know, not, it's about nine minutes long and um, you know, it, it, the bass shines, the drums shine, the vocals shine, the guitars shine, like every, the keys shine, like everybody's, kicking butt um so uh i I just wanted to uh shout out to nops uh i'm with you on this one definitely uh song of the week material for for me and and you seem to agree but yeah this is um really killer uh i i think the house at the beginning is kind of more of an outro than a a full a full-blown song but um so to me like this is really just a really great way to, to end things and then you have that you know quick little quick beat four minutes but you know quick little uh way to the way that just to end things and and kind of like i said the kind of a reprise from the opening track uh, to wrap things up but uh let's give us a listen uh i'll probably rack my brain trying to figure out which minute of the song to choose here but um yeah this was definitely my my favorite and and uh i knew i knew that before i even read nops's blurb so i will say that his his choice didn't have any sway for me it it just uh just worked out that way but uh here is back yet forward from no spoon really hit the nail on the head with your description of this one. I just want to add just a couple of brief thoughts. Echoing your sentiments, really, this is just another perfect chorus. I mean, absolutely perfect. Sing along, beautiful chorus on this one. And about midway through, they do this bridge that's like literally right out of the play me under, sorry, pull me under playbook. I totally hear uh, pull me under on this one, but it's uh, a nice tribute to a band that's obviously an influence for these guys. I think that that's obvious. If not, that would just be too coincidental. But uh, yeah, definitely some pull me under worship on this one. And then yeah, it goes out to house at the beginning the same way it came in. Very strong Hagen vibe on this closing track. Uh, just a beautiful way to end this, and it's just a very uplifting album in many ways. Or at least at least with the last two tracks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um... I, I I I was going to attempt to dig into the story, but like you said, I think we might be better off talking about that part of it with the band, and we'll make this a truly uh, two part series, I guess. Um, th- this was the music. We'll do the musical uh, analysis, and then we'll kind of go into the the thematical 
part of it um, because I, 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 we talked about before the podcast started kind of our, our theories about um, things. Um, Nops had texted me while we were recording and basically said, um, part of me feels like the guy is trapped in an endless loop. And that, that I, I you know, I got kind of a, um, a reincarnation kind of uh, vibe to the story. And that um, it's almost like he, every time he like, doesn't fulfill his life's work, he just ends up at this house and then has to go back. He has to face his older self, agree to like start over and start over again. Um, th- there's definitely, uh, there's definitely a, a, a of uh, a theme of obsession here with the, the artist and his obsession with his, his, his opus. Um, th- there's a lot going on. And I think the band was purposely vague uh, or you're vague ish. Um, it's similar to how Milton um, posts on Facebook, just a very vague and a very vague sense. <laughs> um, no wonder he liked this album so much. Uh, so uh, we'll see. I it definitely, always better to get it from the, the horse's mouth, but um, just a really interesting um, concept. Uh, you know, I, I, I like that it's um, kind of has, a, it's, it's kind of like a philosophical nature to it. it it's, it's not quite like, um, you know, when you think like scenes from, if you're going to compare it to scenes from a memory, scenes from a memory is, is kind of, um, it's a story that, that I think could conceivably actually happen. Whereas this is a little bit more, you know, in that philosophical, like, you know, ether realm, if you will, like a little bit more, uh, I don't know, some, just something a little bit more out of the scope of reality. Um, but, uh, I don't know. This was a really, really, um, a really impressive debut album. Um, and I, I think that this band really earned their spot on that prog power, uh, that prog power lineup. Um, and now they can, uh, now they can prove that they deserve to be on that lineup, uh, in a live sense, because at least from a studio sense, they freaking killed it, uh, with, with this debut album opus. So, um, I, I guess before we score it, um, I, I'll read Nops's uh, blurb. Um, but I'll, I'll start, by reading Glenn's blurb because it's actually uh, only two sentences, um, and and it'll it'll we'll, we'll have the long version and the short version. Here's the short version. Uh, Glenn said, "Blending blatant dream theaterisms, scenes from a memory galore, with influences from numerous newer bands was a risk. It paid off in spades as fans of classic prog metal have been drawn to it like a hillbilly to Mountain Dew." So, uh, <laughs> spoken as only uh, Glenn Harveston could say. Uh, and and I think is a really uh, a succinct way of of, of ra- like just um, putting this a very short description on a very meaty uh, album. Um, but uh, Nops had a little bit more to say, um, and, and he said, uh, "I stumbled across No Spoon while roaming Reddit to find some new albums to pass the time. One, the Harry Parrot, aka No Spoon bassist Cole Millward." had posted a link to Opus on the Prague subreddit, promising an experience for fans of Dream Theater, Haken, Devin Townsend, and Circus Maximus. 
Uh, I take posts like this with a grain of salt because the output is typically mediocre and sounds about the same as Pip farting on a snare drum. Uh, A little (laughs) bit of an Airheads reference there for those unaware. Uh, But I gave it a shot. I'm really glad I did. From first listen, Opus doesn't sound like a debut album. Debut albums skew towards an audio experience that can be likened to that awkward first dance in high school. Everyone kind of milling about, not really knowing what to do with that one kid who thinks he's hot shit on the dance floor, but really just looks like a fish in its death throes. But Opus, Opus fucks. This album is one of the most highly polished debuts I've heard. The time and energy spent on production is undeniable, and it helps that these guys can absolutely shred. I'll leave the song-by-song analysis to the pros. Uh, I guess that's us, but um, (laughs) I don't know if anyone's ever called us a pro before, but... uh, I continue, uh, but I was quickly hooked. The parallels to bands like Dream Theater and Haken are obvious. There's a proggy lyrical journey exploring man's inner workings, a powerful and emotive vocalist, melodic riffs, carnival keys, and punchy bass. But this isn't an album of some guys ripping off another band. It's a well-constructed, if sometimes quirky, epic that melds classic and modern prog elements to engage their proggy brethren. In a year of fantastic releases, Opus is amongst one of my favorites, rivaling albums from more established bands like Haken, Tesseract, and Periphery. I'm excited to see what they release next, but I'm even more excited to see the prog power next year. Yingling's on me, and God knows me and Justin will be holding me to that. Uh, there's there's <laughs> it's, a reason. So it's on the record now, so there's yep, no turning it's on back. on the record. There's a reason I didn't read that to start the episode, because it would have made everything we had to say sound like gibberish. <laughs> so, Nops, as usual. Um, Kudos. A, a wonderful soliloquy. Um, and, uh, yeah, so um, now we score this album. Uh, I, you know, we usually, I usually give the score first. I'm, I'm going to flip the the script and ask you what your score uh, before we, we give them mine. Um, is, is this a 10 for you? Is it close to a 10? Uh, it, well, this, you know, you seem to really, really enjoy this one. I'm curious if it's, uh, if it reached that rarefied air um, being that it's so new, it's, it's kind of hard to give a, a brand new album, a 10 without that, um, that foresight of it being out for a while, you know? I, I agree. I'll say this. I haven't enjoyed a prog metal debut like this since the first chapter by Circus Maximus, which came out in 2005. Now, am I saying it's the best prog metal album in the last 20 years? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is for a debut album and for a prog debut, this is by far, by far the best one that I've heard in 20 years or, or thereabouts. I think my score has to be lower than a 10 and dare I say even a nine, just because I've enjoyed it for six months. I don't know if I'll be enjoying it for six years or for the next 60 years, right? So when we go back and we listen to Awake, not only is it fantastic, but it's withstood the test of 25 years. I can't give this the same score as as Awake because I don't know what it's going to be like down the line. But what I can tell you is I love this album. As I mentioned earlier, it is the album I've listened to the most this year. And I would be shocked if it isn't my album of the year. For me, it's an 8.75. Could go down at some point, but it could also get into that rarefied 9, 9 plus point at some point. Um, but at this point, is it 8, 8.75 and the leader going into the clubhouse for album of the year? I'm a little bit shocked at how close our scores are. I, I thought there was going to be more of a 
divide. Uh, but I think my score is higher than I thought it would be, and your score is lower than I, than I okay. thought it would be. So it, it's almost like we've kind of met in the middle that way. Um, I I had it at an eight, uh, but it has moved up to an eight point three seven five, um, just based on our conversation and and uh, just all of the the excitement levels around it. And 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 I and as I usually do, I, I listen. I usually re listen to the album as we're speaking on a, like on a lower volume just to kind of keep everything fresh um and this is um probably one of my favorite uh modern prog albums in a long time um i just it just it, it's a shame i don't have the time to go and listen to every album that comes out five or six times like this and really just uh, immerse myself in in the experience um because there's just so much stuff out there but there's also so much time and 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 as much as i wish i could say i spend all of my free time listening to music i i truly do not um but uh yeah this this was a, a really um a, a great album i i it, it will be on my list so if 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 anything else i i'll reveal i'll reveal that this and uh sorcerer's newest album will both be on my list this year thanks to the time we spent listening to both on this very podcast, but uh, I did like this one a, a bit more than the Sorcerer album. So that that's going to be the end of my spoilers for my list. Uh, no Spoon and Sorcerer will be on the list. No Spoon will be ranked higher than Sorcerer, and that's about all I'm giving you. Well, that's uh, definitely a good start. I, I Again, I, I only give it the 8.75 because of the test of time, and I feel like it can. It there's a there's a really good chance that it goes up. May stay the same. May go down. But uh, time will tell. Maybe we should revisit it in a year or two, and we'll we'll see where we're at. But uh, yeah, that's uh, No Spoons Opus. More more to come later in the week. Uh, some news items that I definitely wanted to mention. I don't know if you heard about this new band called Crown Shift, featuring guys from Nightwish, Children of Bodom, and Winter Sun. Have you heard about this thing? No, but it, it uh, just based on that description, it sounds like something that would be very interesting. It sounds like it's a new melodic death metal band featuring um, guys from all three of those bands, which in and of itself is interesting. But it's coming out on Nuclear Blast Records. Their first single is dropping on January 17th. Just because of the people involved, I'm curious to hear uh, to hear that one. And uh, another band that, while one band, uh, you know, is kind of coming together for the first time, Sepultura, calling it quits after 40 years. They're going on a farewell tour starting in March of next year. I'm woefully ignorant when it comes to this band. They're a band that is huge. And for whatever reason, I just never took the time to to kind of get into. I can already hear someone like Charles screaming at this podcast, being like, what the hell are you talking about? But I just... I don't know. Maybe it's time to cover something supple tour as they as they kind of ride off into the sunset. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like just a band that I just um I think it was just one of those things where it was like by the time I got into metal, there was so much to catch up with. It was just like I didn't know where to start, so I just never started. Exactly. Exactly. So either way, uh farewell to them. I, I'm sure that the tour will be nothing but a, a great success. And uh with that, we we kind of close up shop here and I guess we head into next week. Um, and it's my turn to pick something and it's been something I have been sitting on for a while because 
despite a number of sites on the internet saying that this album came out in September of 2004, that is grossly inaccurate. This album actually came out December 15th of 2003. So it's an actual anniversary album, which we like to do here from time to time. It is the uh, 20th anniversary of the Polish progressive metal band Riverside and their debut album, Out of Myself, which was an album that I remember getting when it came out um, when Ken Golden had pressed it for um, The Laser's Edge. And I think that's what people are referring to in 2004 because it had been out for some time before we were able to get our hands on it here in the U.S. But this is a band that came out with an album earlier this year, although it probably feels like three years ago at this point. Uh, January was a long time ago. But we've never talked about Riverside in long form. I, I thought no better time than, than the present with uh, this 20th anniversary of their debut album. The timing is funny because I um... – was planning on listening to their newest album again very soon. So now I'll get to listen to their first album and their, their most recent album pretty much in the same week or two. Um, but uh, I had it, I, I listened to their new album a lot when it first came out. I liked it a lot, um, but I haven't gone back to it since probably January or February. So I, I kind of wanted to check and see if it still resonated Um and you know this is a band that i kind of got into late and i've really enjoyed their uh their later output um it's it's just a kind of i don't know there's there's metal influences but i feel like they kind of land more on the prog rock side for me sure but 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 i really do enjoy them and and i think uh they're they the the at least one time i saw them live they were fantastic live uh just a, a really cool band that um i remember you telling me about them when they first came out and and just at that time i just wasn't uh i wasn't ready i wasn't ready for riverside um, they're also like- not the most accessible band they're at very atmospheric very melancholy um i can understand why somebody might not like them have you i mean without getting into the episode have you spent a lot of time with this debut album or has it been a long time since you've listened to it I don't know that I ever listened to the entire album start to finish. Uh, probably just picked out tracks based on set lists that they were playing around that time. I knew I was going to see them live. So, like, you know, I remember Loose Heart, uh, particularly. I think that was the first Riverside song I ever heard. Um, the, the, um, the title track is, is rather familiar. Um, but this this is going to be a, like my first real deep dive into this album, so um, I'm looking forward to to talking about it, and then uh, after that we'll finish off the year with uh, a, a, a episode that will drop on Christmas morning. Um, actually, six o'clock on a Christmas morning to be exact. If you're in the, too bad we did a week. I know, isn't that funny? Uh, it'll drop at six o'clock on a Christmas morning, uh, Eastern time. Um, <laughs> and, and, then, and it won't be a Dream Theater album. Yep, and then and the next episode will be on New Year's Day, which means it'll be our uh, January request episode, and then um, we'll figure out when the the year end list episode will be. I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to say that I'm confident <laughs> that it'll be ready for our uh, January eighth uh, to celebrate Mike's fifty ninth birthday. How old is he now? Um, sixty two. Oh, sixty two. Uh, but. Um, It'll be before the end of January, 
me and say it at the absolute, at the absolute best. There's just, oh my God. It's like, you just look back on that like pile of albums that came out over the years. It didn't seem like a lot at the time, but now it's like, now it's time to start ranking. Massive. It's like, holy shit, I forgot so and so even released an album this, that was this year. Like, so. It's it's big it's 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 happening. I feel like I'm ahead of schedule compared to last year anyway. Um so but that's something I always really, really look forward to. Um so uh we'll see how that goes. But in the meantime, uh Riverside out of myself. Uh awesome timing. Almost it'll be almost twenty years to the day uh when the episode drops. So um excellent timing, very cool stuff and yeah, we uh carry on. Carry on, my friend. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you like what you hear, give us a like and a follow on uh, any of our social medias. Uh, We obviously would appreciate that. Uh, Give us a review if you like what you hear as well. It helps others find the show. And finally, consider joining our Patreon. Uh, It definitely helps support us and support the show. Uh, We will catch you next week with some Riverside, obviously dropping the interview later this week as well. Um, This was a fun one. Thanks for choosing it, my man. And uh, I will catch up with you soon. Yeah. I just want to state for the record that so far uh, in our time doing this podcast, I've chosen three Dream Theater albums and No Spoon's debut. So uh, I I do have a proggy side uh, that that can come out once in a while. I think I also chose all our Fates Warning albums as well, for that matter. So, uh, yeah, no, the, g- well said. And uh, I'm going to just be dreaming about those Yinglings that I know are coming my way in nine months. So oh, that was that? that's that's a that's a uh, a check that his ass won't be able to cash. I <laughs> <Yes>. think uh, <laughs> foolish. <laughs> And Foolish. also, we need. We also need to d- figure out if that was a um, if he was e- extending that to everyone, everyone listening, just us just the band uh so we'll see we're gonna have to get uh i'll have to get my attorney to get the uh to get this um sorted out but um yeah i sometimes uh making promises as as camden cruz from seven kingdoms is experiencing tonight as he uh promised that he would drink a seafood smoothie if uh the band uh raised enough money to um they they did a uh they raised money via twitch to help uh, fun their uh tour to europe i think they they had opened for windrose and so now he's uh he's suffering uh the 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 you know the suffering for his promise uh so that that might be nops in about nine months so uh we'll, we'll see wow i uh i feel sorry for Mr. yeah Cruz. i was trying terrible. to figure out a way on how i could sneak that in and boy that just set that set up perfectly so well i can't think of any other better way to end it so uh cheers my friend i will speak to you soon all right take care buddy